Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm an IVF warrior and infertility advocate using my platform to spread awareness about infertility. And I'm Elizabeth. I'm a certified fertility coach, life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. I'm here to support and serve the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your baby home and everything along the way. Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Where we talk about the dreams and dilemmas of life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Hi there, and welcome back to today's Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today we have Tara Clark with Modern Mom Probs from Instagram, and she's also the author of Modern Mom Probs. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. So as we were just kind of briefly touching on real quick before you got on is um, most of our audience is going through a fertility journey. And as much as, you know, a lot of them cannot wait till they're on the other side to actually be moms, I want to just touch real quick on your story of becoming a mom and, and what that is. And, and then the second question to that is, did you feel prepared when you were becoming a mom? Um, yes, I, I, I want to say that it might be a bit of a long story, but I think it's a really important story because it's, it's a story that I didn't know when I was going through it. And so if I could share my story, I want other people to feel inspired by it. And so I'm just going to dive right in. So my husband and I were high school sweethearts and we got married at 26 and we knew that we wanted to, you know, take some time before having kids, but we still wanted to have kids before 30. So that was always our plan. And like, Mm -hmm. again, plans, I don't know, don't always work. (laughs) Biology always has other ideas. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, we started, you know, we, we tried to get pregnant and I got pregnant right away. And we were thrilled and we were so excited. And so, um, I went to my 12 week OB appointment. Uh, my husband happened to be away on a business conference in Disney world of all places. Mm -hmm. And I went to my 12 week appointment and, um, unfortunately my doctor didn't find a heartbeat Mm -hmm. and I was devastated. Yeah. And thank you. And, oh, I didn't mention it was my 29th birthday. That's a big part of the story. Mm -hmm. So, my first thought was like, oh no, I have to text my husband to let him know. And so my doctor said, let's call him on the phone. And so we called him on the phone and obviously he was upset and I was, I was upset. And so he, he flew home early and he was devastated being in the Orlando airport, surrounded by families, surrounded by babies. And I know when you're going through a fertility struggle, it's so hard sometimes to see those families, to see the babies, to see the pregnant women. And so I know he really struggled with that on his flight home. So Fast forward to my side of that the same day, you know, I have to go back to work after my appointment and put on a happy face because everyone's like, oh, happy birthday, Tara, happy birthday. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, great, thanks. And meanwhile, I'm absolutely just devastated inside, needless Mm -hmm. to say. And so for after that, I had a DNC. Unfortunately, I suffered two miscarriages after that first miscarriage. And then how, what was the time frame during that? Um, so that was March of 2009. I had the first miscarriage. The second one was probably 
maybe over the summer of 2009, because my doctor encouraged me to try again really quickly. Uh -huh. She said like, well, you know, you can get pregnant. So there's that. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. well, that's a feather in my cap. And so yeah. we tried again shortly afterwards. And unfortunately I lost that one. Um, mm -hmm. And was it always around the same time when you had lost? It was. This one, so okay. the first one was about 12 weeks. The second one was about eight weeks. Um, mm -hmm. And so then... I, you know, pumped the brakes a little bit. And I said, you know, this is really dev beyond devastating. And, and my husband yeah. and I chose to suffer through this alone. We did not reach out to family and friends. I, my mom is not necessarily the first one I would think to go to with this. She gets very anxious and very nervous about kinds of things. And so I knew that that would make it worse. And so mm -hmm. he and I just really only had each other um, mm -hmm. during this time. And so then, and did you know other people that had gone through this? No, no, okay. I didn't. Because again, 10 years ago, you know, social media isn't what it is now, yeah. right? Where yeah. we can normalize these conversations. These conversations were not normalized 10 right. years ago. And gosh, I wish that they were. Right. Because it would be so much easier. We just kept it to ourselves and just really genuinely suffered. Mm -hmm. So then like in, in 2010, I had yet another one. And then we started saying, okay, three's a lot. There's something going on here. And so, um, then I'm trying to think if we, at that point, we decided to take some time off. We said, this is, this is just too much. Let's yeah. stop trying. Let's get our heads right and think about what we want. So we were very close to being like a consciously un like childless couple, right? We uh -huh. were just going to be like that couple living in New York city without kids. And, and we right. were okay with that. We were trying to think we really always wanted kids, but we didn't know we sort of felt like our hand was forced. We, you know, we, we didn't know what to do. So we took some time off and then we said, okay, we do want kids. We do want our own biological children. Mm -hmm. And so we started trying again. And then unfortunately I suffered from unexplained infertility, which took up about a year. I'm, you know, we were timing everything properly the same way that we had done the first three times that worked. Uh -huh. It was totally inexplicable. Um, could have been due to the stress. I, I don't know. That's why it's inexplicable, right? Right. right. So um, we finally sought help from a different specialist, um, a fertility specialist uh, mm -hmm. in New York City called RMA. They're wonderful. Um, and we had to go through three IUIs in order to have my son, Jack. And I remember going to the fertility clinic very early in the morning because they were always open before standard work hours. Right. Yeah. So like uh -huh. I, I would be going at like, you know, six in the morning and something yeah. like that. And I'm not sure if that's the case across the board, yeah, but it is. Uh -huh. is it? Yeah, that yeah. was, that was my experience. And so, you know, you wake up super, super early and you show up at the, the appointment and, um, and you just really hope for the best. And, and I remember, there was a couple interesting things about that office. One, they specifically asked people who already had children not to bring their children to the office mm -hmm. because it can be so triggering for someone who is trying to get pregnant to see somebody who already does have children. Right. Right. So, so there was That's that. That's great that they're that insightful to, to be aware of other people's feelings because a lot of them are not. Yes, they were very in tune. And so I remember always thinking that. And, and I remember one time my husband and I were sitting in the office, might have been the third IUI. I can't even remember now. And we said to each other, we made a pact to each other. And this is just our own personal pact. It doesn't have to be for anybody else. But we mm -hmm. said, if this works and I get pregnant and I carry this baby to term, we will never ask for anything ever again. That's yeah. it. 
if we get him, it's all we ever wanted. It, we'd worked so hard. It took us years. It was a three-year journey. Mm -hmm. Three years? Yeah, maybe longer, longer than three years to get to this point now, right? So that, that was right then and there. We said, we'll never ask a higher power for anything again, yeah. as long as this <laughs> works. And you know what? Mm -hmm. It worked. And then that, and that was it. And so we always said, like, we never wanted to, you know, shift our blessings one way or the other, you know, and, and ask for, for anything else. And so we were very lucky. And we had my son, Jack, in November of 2012. And so awesome. that was my journey. Like, Thank you. Like I said, it is a bit of a long journey, but I think it's a common journey um, amongst people who are suffering from infertility. And I remember too, when I went to my regular OB, which was different from the specialist, I had suffered, it was probably my third, yeah, it was my third miscarriage. I remember going, obviously I had to see your doctor. And I remember him saying to me, wait a second before you leave the exam room there's a pregnant woman walking by right now. Mm. And I know that you may feel triggered from that. I just and got I really again. <laughs> appreciated his yeah. saying that because I remember at the time that kind of stuff was so triggering. I had several friends at the time who got pregnant on accident. And mm -hmm. I was like, come on universe. Uh -huh. These women are literally saying like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And like, you know, I was just like seeing my boyfriend for like a couple months and this and that. And I was like, no, 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 no. I've been with my husband for 15 years yeah. and we're trying everything. And we want this baby more than anything. And it just wasn't clicking. Biology had other plans. Yeah, for sure. And when you started to go down the road of IUI, did you feel like, after taking that break, like, okay, this is just, this is it. That's going to happen. You know, did you, cause a lot of people go into it thinking it's once they go to that next step, whether it's IUI or IVF, that that's just, it's just going to happen. Right. Like first time. And did you was, feel that way? Or did you have any sense of like, maybe it wouldn't and IVF might be an option or. For me, because this sounds wild, but like I, I had like all of the issues there. Right. So it's like, I could conceive and then I miscarried and then I couldn't conceive and then I couldn't conceive and couldn't conceive and couldn't conceive. <laughs> right. And so I really had all of that. Right. And so mm -hmm. we ultimately found out that the reason for my miscarriages was that I had polyps. So I had polyps removed by that fertility specialist. He was the one that diagnosed it and then removed the polyps. And so okay. after that is when I had that unexplained infertility. Um, but I was, hoping and praying that yes, it worked with the IUI because I knew mm -hmm. I could get pregnant. It right. happened three times. So mm -hmm. I knew that there was like a possibility. I just right. didn't know why it wasn't happening. And like, that's so frustrating. You're like, what's wrong with me? Why isn't this I know. working? And so with the IUI, the way that that works is that at least in, in this particular office, you get three, I, I say you get, but they do three IUIs. And if the third one doesn't take, then you go to IVF. They mm -hmm. sort of like bump you up to the next level. Right. And so I was really, really hoping that we wouldn't have to get bumped up to that next level, knowing that I was able to conceive at some point. Yeah. And so, like I said, it happened to work, but yeah. the whole time you're just like on pins and needles, you know, just on eggshells. And I think we can all relate to that. Like, I swear we will never ask for anything else. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. and it comes in waves, right? So first it's like that conceive, please, Lord, let this be the time that we conceive and it's fine. And then mm -hmm. the next one is, please let this stick. So it's a healthy pregnancy. And then it's, please, Lord, let this be a healthy baby, right? 
Yep. So it's like these steps that I always tell people that unfortunately, when you've experienced the trauma around losses too, it doesn't just end there, right? It kind of continues until you get to a point and everybody's different of like, okay, I'm good now. I know the baby's healthy. You know, it's for some it's 12 weeks for some it's a lot longer and it, you know, everybody's different, but, um, I think we've all had, can relate to those conversations with the universe or God or whoever it is that you realize is your higher power that I will never ask for anything else again. So we were really bargaining with God on that one. Yeah. Really, please. We will not ask for anything. We're good people. Like just, you know, please like help us out. And like I said, ultimately it, it worked out, but it definitely was a journey. You know, and it was, like I said, it was a journey of both loss and infertility. And so I never would have imagined that or pictured that. Like I said, when we got married at 26, well, we just assumed, of course, we're going to have sex and we're going to have babies and we're going to have a lot of babies and it's going to be wonderful. And that's not necessarily the way that things played out. And and that's okay. You know, we got through it. We got to the other side now. My husband and I, like I said, we were really in it together. We only had each other in Mm -hmm. this we, you know, we weren't having these conversations with, with other people because everyone else we knew, guess what? They were getting pregnant on accident and then they were carrying perfectly healthy babies. And so we Mm -hmm. felt like we were on this Island, unfortunately. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I, I feel like to your point of getting married and everybody thinks that's just what's going to happen because you try so hard not to get pregnant. And then you assumed it's going to happen right when you Mm-hmm. you know, get off whatever you're taking. Um, and so from my perspective, I think it's so important to educate women because we are not educated about this aspect of fertility in school. Right. And so just getting off the artificial hormones initially, I feel like, you know, we're so concerned with, I'm only going to buy organic chicken or whatever yet. We're the first ones to say, okay, yeah, I'll get on the pill for my acne or whatever. It's like, no, that's putting a a synthetic hormone in your body and telling your body it doesn't know what to do. So get used to those kind of cycles and understanding your ovulation and all of that so that when it does come to the time when you're ready to conceive, of course, you were lucky enough to conceive, but also understanding the whole process, because I think it's, you know, I certainly was very unaware of all of the things related to fertility until I was going through it. You're so right, because once you are really in that world and you're so immersed in that world at that point, you're listening to every single thing your body's saying. You're looking at every bit of discharge in your underwear, really? right? You're looking for like, how do my breasts feel today? You know, yeah. you're, you're like, you're looking for every sign to be like, okay, let's go to the be- bedroom. We could like, tonight's the night, you know? Yeah. And so unless you're really in that world, I don't think that people are as in tune to it. Right. Otherwise. Right. And so how did you come to, well, my second part of that question initially was, did you feel prepared when you were having Jack? Like, I know for me, I was totally out of my element. I was 40 years old. All my friends had already had kids. So I was like, not knowing what to do at all. So how about you? And and then how did that land to your Instagram? I was definitely same thing, like out of my league, but in a different way, because I was the first of my friends to have okay. a child. So I really didn't know um, much about it. I was 32 when Jack was mm-hmm. born. And at that point, you know, people were still just starting to like settle down and, and get married and, and have kids. Yeah. And so I, like I said, I feel like I was the the first and sort of like the guinea pig to kind of go through all of that <laughs> kind of stuff. And part of the reason why I even started my Instagram account in the first place is that I didn't have a village. 
So mm-hmm. I lacked that village. So I started a digital village to make friends and to talk with other moms about, um, you know, just motherhood. Yeah. And was it an instantaneous, like finding that village of other people being like, oh my gosh, me too, or my baby's not sleeping too, or the teething or this or the that or whatever. Like what, how did that go? I was really lucky because when I first started my account, it was very small, but I I came in contact with this group of women who live all over the country, right? And, And some of them are in Canada too. And so we just became instant friends. We were fast friends. And so we were talking about this thing and that thing and sleeping and tantrums and all the different things. And it really like all came together and clicked. And like I said, like, although we each had different perspectives and experiences and we're from different parts of the country, like it all just really, really worked. And so without that community, I wouldn't have been able to, to be here now. Yeah. And what would, what advice would you give to somebody who's either newly pregnant or, you know, just about to have their baby, what, what, what do you think is the biggest advice that you would give? And that the most common thread, I guess, that you see with moms on your, your platform? I would say, give yourself grace. I was a nervous wreck trying to be the best mother, right? I wanted to give it my all. It was hard enough to get pregnant and have a baby as it was. And so Mm -hmm. therefore you want to just throw yourself all in and eat the healthiest foods and get the most sleep and have your baby sleep the best and all of those things, all those pressures that we put on ourselves, right? So what I would say to new mothers is, yes, you want the best for your baby. Of course, that goes without saying, but give yourself grace because you're only one person. And not only that, I mean, of course, you could ask for help from your spouse and your family and stuff like that, but don't put all the pressure on yourself. Go easy on yourself. Yeah, that's great advice. I think too, coming from the fertility world as well, you have this idea again, God, I will do anything for this baby. And then you kind of feel like you're, you don't have the right to get any, to get frustrated or get upset or, you know, feel like you need a break because God forbid, because you, you wanted this baby so bad. But I remember my first one was not super easy. And I remember thinking like, yes, as, as much as I wanted him and I was so grateful for him, of course, I was, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And the no sleeping, literally it's like torture, right? I mean, I remember somebody telling me that's why in foreign countries, they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture. I'm like, I get it. I was literally (laughs) like going insane. Um, And it's this strange emotion of like, I don't feel like I have the right to be frustrated with my situation because I wanted to be a mom so bad. And I don't know if you ever felt like that or if other people feel that way too, but it's like, you know, it's okay to still feel like it's hard, even though you wanted to have that child so badly. I agree a hundred percent. That was the same dichotomy that, that I felt too, because you wanted this child more than anything, right? You're making bargainings with God to try to try to have this child. And so when you had those sleepless nights, you're trying to be present and say, you know, this is what I wanted. But at the same time, you could say that in a bad way and you could say that in a good way, right? You're like, this is what I asked for and this is what I asked for. And, and so to really just fully embrace it because you also know too that all of that stuff is fleeting, right? Like my son is eight now. And so to think back to, you know, 2012 when my brain was on fire from getting two hours of sleep a night, like 
it, it it's all fleeting and and not to say like oh like oh she's saying like oh like don't worry about it like no i'm not saying that like no when your brain's on fire your brain's on fire you need to go to sleep <laughs> and there are no two ways about that but i i definitely felt that sort of like push and pull of um you know be be careful what you ask for <laughs> because you just get it but then being so beyond grateful at that point too right and asking for help you mentioned that earlier i think that's a really important thing to touch on too, because again, going through infertility, sometimes you feel like very extra protective of your situation. Right. And I think, you know, being vulnerable to say, I needed the help and knowing it's okay to have help. Your baby's not going to love you any less if you have somebody helping you out. And I think recognizing that as a form of strength, even rather than weakness is huge to say in lots of ways, right? Because then you can, you're able to still find who you are aside from just Jack's mom or Holden's mom or whatever, like, because we don't lose that. And oftentimes moms do get wrapped up in that so much. Do you find that for your community a lot that, that balance is sometimes hard to come by? It's so beautifully, you said that so beautifully, so beautifully said, because asking for help does take a sign of, of strength. For me, I like to tell these tales as like, don't be like Tara. Don't, don't do what Tara did, because I didn't ask for help when I needed it in the time, you know, when my son was a newborn, like I said. I, my husband and I were a very like tight unit. And so we didn't have any extra help. Um, it was just he and I grinding all day, every day, day after day without showers, you know, without sleeping, all of those things. And now looking back, I think it doesn't have to be like that. You know, if you're able to either ask for help or even pay for help, there's no reason not to do that. And so, yeah, in the community, I definitely see people struggling with that because it's hard to delegate. It's mm -hmm. hard to say, even say the words, I need help, whether it's mentally, you know, from, from, for mental health or maternal mental health, like to speak up and say, I need to speak with a, a doctor or a therapist, or if it's just like, I need help. Here's my shopping list. Please go to the grocery store. You know, it's hard that one is obviously infinitely more important than the other one is, but both phrases are difficult to say. A hundred percent. And I, I just really, for anyone who's listening, I really want that to, to sink in because you have these grand ideas when you're having a baby of like, I'm going to breastfeed myself. I'm going to do all these things myself. And sometimes it doesn't always work out that way and it's okay. And, and to Tara's point earlier, allow yourself grace. Like, even if you need to like put it on a post-it everywhere in the house of <laughs> allow my, I'm allowing myself grace today because it is not, I mean, every baby's different. Of course, some people have like amazing angelic babies. I never had one of those, but, <laughs> um, but it is possible, but it's either way that you look at it. Good baby, more challenging baby you still want to make the time for yourself too. And, and also finding that community of moms that can help you through the process, whether that's in person or Instagram, like Tara's community. So what can they find? What can moms find on your, your Instagram feed? Sure. So what I love about my feed, not that I'm just saying I love it, but what I do love about my feed is that it's both uplifting and inspiring and funny all at the same time. It's never just one of those things, right? Because some days you wake up and you're like, 
I need to be inspired or I, I need to be empowered in my role as a mother. And then other days you just simply want to laugh. Right. And so yeah. I think it's important to recognize all of the different aspects of ourselves as modern mothers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think it's really important to create content that resonates with people. But at the same time, I think it's really important to normalize the conversations that we're having now, conversations around loss, conversations around mental, uh, maternal mental health, conversations about infertility. Again, 10 years ago, when I was struggling through this, there was nobody else to talk to. There were no platforms. People weren't on Facebook talking about this stuff. Yeah. People were on Facebook 10 years ago, checking in at the gym or taking a picture of their sandwich for lunch, that kind of thing. Like that's what people were doing on Facebook 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. You weren't so having these like hard, real truthful conversations. And so yeah. I'm so grateful now that we have platforms and podcasts and all of the things that people can tune into to feel validated in their experiences. Because again, for me, I like to do it as like a cautionary tale. Like here's Tara 10 years ago, like struggling by herself or here's Tara 10 years ago, didn't know how to ask for help. Or here's Tara who like really wanted to nurse but then like drove herself crazy trying to nurse and then was pumping into the bottles and then introduced formula. Like I did all three. Just like with my infertility um, struggle and, and journey, I had a similar kind of journey with, with nursing. It's like, I nursed, I pumped into the bottles, I eventually uh, had form introduced formula. So my son had it all. And then he ended up nursing until he was two and a half. Mm -hmm. So you never know which direction your parenting journey is going to take you. Absolutely. Yeah. I struggled with breastfeeding as well. I never got to the point where I could actually do it, but you know, I, it was funny because going into it, I thought, you know, I'm not going to put any stress on myself. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then of course, as soon as I had the baby, I was like, oh my God, it's not working. <laughs> you know, that also got the window of like my big, strong, you know, independent woman type of thing. But you know, I was able to supplement. It was literally the tiniest amount. Um, but I kept thinking, well, something's better than nothing. Um, and you know, they say fed is best. And that was, he was thriving once he actually was able to get the, the formula and that's really all that matters. Right. And so Absolutely. the reason I parlay onto your story is because that is, can be so traumatic and on top of the postpartum, if anybody is going through that, which is actually more common in the infertility community because you identify so much for so long with trying to have a baby and then you actually have it. Mm -hmm. And all these hormones like physically come up as well as the mental thing of like, okay, I don't need to go to the clinic three times a week anymore and get things checked. What am I going to do with my life now that I actually have what I prayed so hard for, right? Um, and then all the other things that come into play, like the struggles of sleeping and feeding and, and all of that. So I think it's just to your point again, of important to have the community and the awareness of what's happening and having the conversation so that when you're going through it, you don't feel alone. And you know, that there's help in lots of different ways, whatever you're comfortable with, whether that's a lactation consultant or a, or a coach or a therapist, whatever it may be, or a friend even who's gone through it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just amazing that we do now have those resources that weren't really around before. And maybe they were around, but they weren't advertised. 
Like I went back to my clinic and they're like, oh yeah, we have, we offer blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, why didn't anyone tell me that before? (laughs) You're like, but wait, no one said anything. Yeah. That would have been nice to know a long time ago. So I think, and I think too, the important thing, even with that is the breaking the stigma, ending the stigma around that. Cause like maybe they did offer, let's just say group therapy. Right. And maybe they would have said, well, we always had therapy. You're like, yes, but now 10 years later, going to therapy is much different. It's perceived differently. You know, we're in the process of ending the stigma for a lot of these concepts. And I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. So is there, first of all, is there anything else that you would like to share with our community? Um, no, I'm just so glad to be here. Thank you. Well, I did just recently write a book. Can I mention that? Yes, please do. In fact, I was going to mention that as we wrap up, but I think this, you go ahead. Sure. So I I recently wrote a book. It's called Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers. And in that, I talk about 99 different problems. And so I say, we got 99 problems, but motherhood ain't one. And some of them are serious. Some of them are about infertility and um, postpartum depression. And some of them, you know, are, you know, bullying and and allyship. There's a lot of heavy things, but then there's other things that are very light in in, um, uplifting. And some of them are about, you know, shame on you, mom shamers, and and, um, talking about the mental load of motherhood. And then other ones are just silly. They're talking about like chicken McNuggets, or not McNuggets, but just chicken nuggets. And, and, you know, all the other things like talking about like how ridiculous birthday parties have gotten and all of that kind of stuff. And so I, just like on my page, I marry heavy, serious content with light comment, uh, content to, you know, just be overall uplifting. And so it's really like a handbook. It's like the perfect book for new mothers. It's I was going to say you would give like your best friend at a baby shower. And it's like, here, you want to know what motherhood's like in 2021. Here's this book. And it like walks you through the whole thing. And it's actually very baby heavy in the front because it's talking about like the right way to swaddle, the right way to wear a baby carrier, how to clip fingernails, all of those kinds of things. And so it really goes all the way through up until like when your kids are on screen time and you're trying to like get them to hand over their iPad. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention what you just said is this is a perfect gift. So I know when I was having my showers and stuff, I was always looking for more information, right? I wanted to educate myself. I felt like going into parenthood was like a job. And if I was going for a new job, I was going to research that job and make it my goal to be the best that I could be in that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, a lot of the content that's out there around it is really boring. And so to have something that's just practical and easy and you can laugh with and, and relate to, I think is so good. So yeah, if you're giving somebody a onesie, throw the book in too, because it's such a good gift for somebody who's expecting. And even if you're buying it for yourself too, again, it's on the lighter side of all the heaviness of what's out there. I mean, you, you don't need to read the scientific journals around how to be a parent in order to succeed. It's really taking it from the practical side of a, from a parent's perspective is oftentimes more helpful, I think, than the scientific approach in my opinion, but that's just me. <laughs> I agree hundred percent. It, it's sort of like if your best friend sat you down on the couch and was like, here, I'm going to tell you about modern parenting. Let me break it down for you. And that's what I do. And so I speak to you like as a girlfriend and, and so it's very natural and, it, and you can almost hear my voice. And actually I really, I do um, narrate it for the audible version. So you could actually get oh, it on audible and it's me reading it to you. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So where can everybody find your book and Instagram and all of that good stuff? Yeah. 
So the book itself is on target.com, walmart.com, amazon.com. Um, it's also as a Kindle, like I mentioned, it's on Audible for an audio book. Uh, so it's wherever books are sold, uh, Barnes and Noble too. And then as far as where you can find me is on Instagram at Modern Mom Probs, and then also at www.modernmomprobs.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Elizabeth. This was wonderful. Yeah, thanks. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Pretty Little Tribe. And if you related to this episode, take a screenshot and hashtag Pretty Little Tribe because we want to see those in our DMs so then we can share them in our story too and give you some love back. Of course, if you have a topic idea or want to be on the podcast, email us at prettylittletribe at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks again for joining your tribe today and we will see you next time.